memory verse is a great verse on the Trinity from Isaiah 48, verse 16. A little uh, complicated verse, but uh, there's a lot there. Isaiah 48 and verse 16. Hopefully this is the uh, coldest week of the year, and uh, better is yet to come. All right, are you ready? Isaiah 48, 16. Come ye near unto me, hear ye this. I have not spoken in secret uh, beginning from the time that it was, there am I. Now the Lord God and his spirit has sent me. Isaiah 48, 16. Again, 40, Isaiah 48, 16. Come ye near unto me, hear ye this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. From the time that it was, there was I. And now the Lord God and his spirit has sent me. Isaiah 48, 16. Some interesting um, phrases here. Um, speaks about uh, the speaker says, I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it was. Well, that's talking about eternity past. And then it says, there am I. Another uh, phrase speaking of his eternal existence. So the one speaking is eternal. And now he says, and now the Lord God and his spirit hath sent me. So we have the Messiah, the Son of God, now, um, now speaking of... Uh, Redemption, speaking of setting up his kingdom, but his uh, goings forth have been from all old, from eternity, like it says in Micah 5. So it's a great verse. You have to think about it a little bit, but uh, some big phrases. I like that phrase, there am I. Wow, there's a big phrase on the eternal existence of the one that is speaking. Okay, so let's say it one more time. Isaiah 48, 16. Come ye near unto me, hear thee this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it was. There am I. And now the Lord God and his spirit has sent me. Isaiah 48, 16. Okay, another great verse for in Isaiah that we'll be uh, working on next week, Isaiah 40. Isaiah 48 uh, and verse 15. That's a good verse in light of uh, uh, the World Economic Forum, the globalists, um, all of those type of people, uh, Isaiah 48, 15, 40, excuse me, 40, verse 15. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as a small, as the small dust of the balance. 
Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. Okay, what uh, great truth. The, um, the isles, the nations are as a drop of a bucket. Well, what do you think of that last drop in the bucket? <laughs> it's pretty insignificant. And God's dealing with the nations as uh, um, they are nothing in his sight. Although the world doesn't think that way today, do they? Okay, so uh, we have any soul winning testimonies today? Yes, Leah. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's great. Mm-hmm. So he had been there, though. Okay, well, great. I don't remember that name, but uh, okay. All right, uh, Jason. Uh, my neighbor and good friend Brian uh, had a, he came over for about three hours the other night. We were just sitting around the coffee table and just talking and uh, got a good opportunity to get into spiritual things. And, you know, it's, it's not something where I think we're, I think it's a compilation of conversations over time. You know, we're talking about the Bible and not think there was a God, but they were leaning towards there being a God, and I said, you know, well, it'd be no less silly than you walking into your house and saying, well, I never met the builder or saw the builder of this house, so clearly it just came into existence one day. Mm -hmm. Of course, creation has a creator, that painting behind you has a painter, and, you know, and he's like, I just can't reconcile how um, he allows so many bad things to happen in the world and I said well you know that's sin and I was like and then go a step further and God steps in and intervenes and does things you know you had these people that were worshipping Moloch and they had these um, statues that they would place the babies on and they would beat their drums and they'd place the babies on these statues and it would burn them alive you know the Canaanites and the mm -hmm. these ancient tribes and God comes and wipes them out wiped out evil and it's like man can't recognize that he that God did a 
thing now. You just look at all the, you know, the hurt and the despair. And, mm-hmm. You know, it's really feel like she's starting to come around. So prayer requests. Yeah. And be praying for Brian and giving wisdom. <clears throat> yeah, as far as I know, that's the God um, the statue that uh, uh, Epstein had in his uh, pagan temple. Well, they would heat those things up super hot and put the baby down. And then mm-hmm. they would their drums so loud so the mothers wouldn't hear them screaming as they burned alive. Yeah. Yeah, the um, world hasn't uh, gotten better, <laughs> will it? Yes, Jim. Yeah, um, several weeks ago, uh, Michael Zavala uh, gave me some indications for his uh, Bible study in Waterford. Yeah. And so Thursday night, as uh, we've got two swimmers that uh, joined the Burlington team, so as they got on the bus, I said, hey, I got something for you on the way back, okay? Don't, don't forget them. And so... Uh, Uh-huh. So uh, those are two guys. And then yesterday I had the same team, and uh, I brought the bus right by the church, and uh, I announced about this is a, looking for a good church. This is this is a great church. And I was trying to get uh, the coach uh, uh, with three kids, two, four, and six years of age. Uh-huh. Wow. And uh, I gave her a tract. Well, this is what you need to, you need to read this first. And she went on to say that, well, my parents, we don't talk about religion at home. Mm. And then uh, she was, she's kind of a little bit uh, laid back. Her name is Jenny. G-E-N-N-Y. And then, uh, uh, then uh, after a minute or two, she says, I want to know how to pray. Wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was just an exciting opportunity. Please pray that I would, uh, you know, just be careful. The parents don't uh, really pull back. Mm-hmm. Chinese restaurants are usually closed on Monday or Tuesday, but they're closed on Sunday. Wow, that's yeah. good. Jenny was her name. Yeah. Wow, that's a great. Isn't that something? Uh, I want to become a Christian. Yeah. Wow. I think that's uh, typical of a lot of families. They don't talk about religion at all, and the kids are totally in the dark. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Nancy.
Mm-hmm. Yes. So I just pray that um, that that opportunity will really work, and the Holy Spirit is really using you. Amen. That was really some great messages there. All right. Anyone else? Uh, yeah, Sarah. Okay, divine appointments, aren't they? Isn't that amazing how that works? When God's working in sometimes somebody's life, you see them all the time, and uh, and if um, they turn the corner and say no, it's sometimes you never see them for years or ever again. But uh, those divine appointments orchestrated by God. Okay, anyone else? All right, Jonathan, lead us in prayer. Okay. to work in his life, and mm -hmm. uh, we just pray uh, that he would read that Bible tract, and he would go to that, continue to go to the Bible study, and uh, you would just use this to draw him uh, to yourself, and uh, we pray for uh, the young man at the, um, uh, the uh, phone store that he would um, go back to the, the Bible study there on campus, and just realize Thank <laughs> you. 
Amen. Okay, <clears throat> this may be our last uh, lesson on this particular subject. Um, we may be next week uh, starting a series on who is God. And it seems like such a simple subject, but uh, really it's a very deep, profound subject. And um, Jason kind of mentioned uh, the very fact of some of the issues of, you know, does God exist? And uh, <clears throat> in fact, in line of what you were just saying, um, it's interesting that people who try to deny that God exists, they try to use it from the evil and the good standpoint, but the actual, the reality of that is that the existence of evil and good is the proof that there is a God. And rather than saying there is no God, the whole issue of there a good and evil is the a proof of the existence of God. And it's amazing how people can ignore, use that as an excuse um, to deny the very um, uh, realities of what you said, a designer and a master design, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, we, of course, we have to remember that the Bible says, and this is the condemnation, is that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And the main issue of everything uh, is morality uh, and uh, um, um, sin <laughs> and hanging on to sin, not wanting to repent of sin is really the main issue. Okay, so let's talk about the godly seed. Uh, this is a very important uh, subject in the Bible. We talked about last week and uh, uh, hard to imagine that uh, the flood we had one family left that was godly. Now, you wrap your head around that. That means all of Noah's uncles and cousins and nieces and all of them had been affected by an evil world. That's pretty big time, isn't it? It does tell us the great power, evil power of the world and uh, the evil influence of the world, and the evil power of the culture, and of course, uh, the devil. But uh, it really kind of tells us that one of the most negative powers in the world is the ungodly seed. Ungodly seed is a very powerful, negative uh, force in this world. And that ungodly seed was so powerful that it overcame all the other relatives of Noah um, who came out of the same stock. <laughs> Do you want to you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so let's talk about, um, you know, of course, the godly seed. What is the godly seed? Um, well, you know, it's a seed that produces godly Descendants, a seed that produces godly descendants. Now, <clears throat> how long does it take for um, a good Christian family to lose a godly seed? How many generations? 
one generation. And um, <clears throat> many times you don't quite see it as, as, as obvious as that, but you have one generation, and then you go to the grandchildren, and all of a sudden you say, whoa, whoa, this is a long way away, <laughs> a long way away. I remember, uh, this is a little illustration of this, I remember Hannah was um, graduating from Bob Jones University, and so we went to her graduation. And as we were walking on campus, um, we saw all these parents that are about our age, and the mothers, okay, with their daughters. This con stark contrast between the dress of the mothers and the dress of the daughters. It was so um, just shocking. One generation. And both would be claiming to be what? Not only Christian, but right-wing, narrow Christians, right? Wow. I, I was just shocked. I, didn't, I should have known better, but I was shocked when you see it visibly, okay? Now, let's go in the Bible, and let's think of a contrast, okay? Um, let's um, talk about the, the um, examples of a godly seed in the Bible. Well, we don't have too many references that really directly deal with that, so I thought, well... <clears throat> One that came to mind, John the Baptist. Did they produce a godly seed? Now, John the Baptist didn't, wasn't married. John the Baptist didn't have any children. Um, and it couldn't be tested over that. But did John the Baptist um, uh, go with the culture? Or did John the Baptist go against the culture? Did John the Baptist uh, push against or did he go with the tide? Obvious, right? So what does the Bible say about the parents of John the Baptist? Turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 6. Verse 6, it says... Um, Verse 5, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance, ordinances of the Lord blameless. Now, it gives us a kind of a historical picture that in the time of Christ, <clears throat> yeah, the religious leaders and the crowd crucified him and rejected him, but was there a godly seed there? Were there godly people living 
Yes. Were they majority? No. Were they a minority? Yes. But were they the godly seed? Yes. We always have to get that perspective. You know, everybody wants to fit into the crowd, <laughs> but don't you look at the Bible. Don't you don't find don't look at the crowd. Look at, you know, what the Bible says. What you got? What do you see? A mouse up there? Huh? Okay, the flute, okay. It wasn't moving or anything, right? It wasn't moving or anything like that. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. So what does it say? They were they were walking in all the now could you imagine God saying that about somebody? Who said this? God. God said this. They were walking in all the commandments and in the ordinances. Now, what does that refer to? That refers to the, temp the temple. That's what that refers to. It talks, it refers to the, the <coughs> Sabbath. It refers to um, all the public worship of the Lord. Okay? The public worship of the Lord, as prescribed as the proper worship of God at the temple, etc. So they were blameless, okay? So, <clears throat> obviously, there's a total commitment here. Or do you think it was less than a total commitment? What do you think? Think it's obvious? Total commitment. Okay, <clears throat> so <clears throat> they had uh, a commitment to obey God's word. You know, it's amazing how um, uh, obedience to the Bible can be so um, selective. It can be selective. There's things that, yeah, we choose to obey, but there's other things we choose not to obey. And uh, um, that's, uh, that's very human. Notice, um, <clears throat> so the consistency. I think maybe that's the big word there, right? Consistency between the uh, commandments and the outward practice of their life. There was, maybe that's the word you should circle, right? Consistency. Okay? <clears throat> now, in this case, what do we see? We see typically, um, in this case, two persons were required for a godly seed. Now, we have some exceptions, don't we? Um, one of those exceptions um, seems to be Timothy. Um, we don't know all that it was, but Timothy's father was a Gentile, and we don't know how all that took place. Um, but <clears throat> we do know something about Timothy's mother. 
What do we know about Timothy's mother? What's the word in the Bible that refers to the faith of Timothy's mother? Second Timothy. Verse 1, chapter 1, verse 5. When I recall the remembrance, the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which first dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. So um, here's the godly seed, the grandson, Timothy. Okay, that's very interesting. But it says unfeigned faith. So the word unfeigned faith, the word is unhypocritical. In other words, it's not only what they say and proclaim as um, their proclaimed faith, but it's how they live. They live the, what they say they believe. Okay, that's the unfeigned faith. They live what they say they believe. And uh, <clears throat> if you witness to people, and when you find, start witnessing to people, um, you will find that most people who have some faith in God proclaim, you know, a lot. <laughs> they proclaim a lot. But then if you know a little bit more, what they live is far less than that. <laughs> but the unfeigned faith is there's the consistency, okay? <clears throat> so um, as we uh, talk about uh, um, that, now, let's talk about another example, though. I was thinking about Hezekiah in the Bible. His dad was not godly. His mother apparently was. And he was godly. But what about his son? Was Manasseh godly? No. So think about... Um, Samuel. Samuel is a very godly man. But what about his son? They weren't qualified to be judges, were they? And you think about, well, why was that? Well, what kind of home did Samuel grow up in? His mother was godly, but he wasn't raised there, was he? Where did he learn his parenting skills? <laughs> From Eli, right? Perhaps that is the weak point, right? He uh, lacked that um, uh, 
that, that was a big void in his life. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's kind of, you kind of start thinking about some of these things and how they come together. Okay, what about Josiah, King Josiah? Read, uh, found the portion of scripture. His dad was evil, Ammon. At eight years old, he became king. And at 16, they found, uh, I think it was 16 or whatever it was, uh, the copy of the Bible in the temple. And uh, he responded to the truth of the Bible. He says, this is what we're going to do. We've sinned. But what about his children? When he died, his children came to the throne. Were they good kings or evil kings? They were evil kings. They, they, there was something missing there. <clears throat> to put it in context, uh, we're down at discernment and moral purity. Uh, number three is discernment and moral purity is really a very important part of the godly seed. Um, Zephaniah 1.8. This is kind of a um, significant statement in the Bible. Notice Zephaniah gives us when it was written. In the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. Verse 8. And it shall come to pass in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. What does that mean? Clothed in strange apparel. Anybody notice that verse before? So how does a person identify themselves? <clears throat> how does a youth identify themselves? I'm in Zephaniah 1 and verse 8. The princes, these are the, typically the, 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 the children of the king. <laughs> The princes, they rule with the king, right? And, uh, and even those around them. And the king's children. These are the ones in higher ups of authority in the kingdom. And Josiah has uh, uh, made a proclamation that there would be, the people would follow God and we're going to obey God. But <clears throat> his kids were advertising something different. His kids were outwardly advertising where their heart was. And they were, 
wearing strange apparel. They were wearing the clothes of a godless society. That's what they were wearing, the clothes of a godless society. Strange means strange, foreign. Um, you might call it the clothes of foreigners, or you might say strangers to the covenant, okay? People outside, uh, people who don't have a covenant with God dress a lot different than people who have a covenant with God. Those who don't have a covenant with God are called strangers to the covenant, right? And so they were outwardly showing their, um, what? Um, a that they were enamored with the world and the decaying na uh, nation, okay? Now, <clears throat> I I'm sure that they proclaimed how much they loved God, and they would have been offended if someone would say, oh, you aren't really love God. I'm sure they proclaimed it, but how did they, what did they advertise? They advertised that they were enamored with the culture of those who were not a part of the covenant. So, <clears throat> discernment. That's a, that's a pretty big issue. If you're going to go against the tide of the world, you have to know what the world is, and you have to see the world, and you have to know the, the innuendos of the world and the thinking of the world and the, the whole... Um, so, you look at the world today, you see, all right, the children of the covenant. How should they act? How should they dress? How should they talk? People who have a covenant with God, that should be reflected. Okay? If they don't have a covenant with God, then he doesn't have rule over how they dress or where they go or what they like. <laughs> you understand? That's the whole issue of discernment. Okay? So, uh, what does this teach about the heart uh, as the understanding of the godly seed? Well, wow, it's pretty big, isn't it? That uh, <clears throat> uh, is pretty important. Let me ask a question here. This goes with this. Okay, <clears throat> we're going to jump here a minute here. Discernment, moral purity. Okay, <clears throat> does, I'm going to throw out a big question. It's on the back there. What effect does exposure to pornography have on the godly seed? What does the effect of pornography in the lives of young people have on the godly seed? How? Oh, defiles. They don't have the ability to think correctly. They don't have the ability to think purely or Right and wrong, morally, is, okay. Oh, okay, can't unring the bell. Let me ask a question. This is a very direct question. Does viewing a pornography determine or affect a young man's definition of beauty? 
Jason nods his head. What, how does it affect a young man? A little louder. Eli told me a story from one of his teachers at uh, Baptist College of Ministry. So he's going for pastoral. His teacher uh, was a pastor and said, uh, and this guy's probably about your age, he says, I still can't get those images that I saw when I was very young out of my head. Mm -hmm. 50 years later. Okay. Yep. Very different. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go to Proverbs. What does it say? It says about the strange woman, lust not after her beauty in thine heart. And what does it say about the virtuous woman? It says, favor is deceitful. No, favor is deceitful, and beauty is what? Vain. Oh, really? Vain? What does vain mean? Empty, meaningless, worthless. Okay? So, um, does pornography de de defile a young man's understanding of what beauty is? Would pornography cause a young man not to think that if they haven't gotten a hold of themselves, okay? But what do you think they would want to see in a young lady? What, what is their view of this choice person? Yeah putting the, the shell of the strange woman in the covering of a godly person, okay? Well, yeah, so you're mixing two together. You want godliness, but you, you're, you're, what really controls this thing is the eyes, <laughs> right? And so is that, is that, um, is that husband going to want the wife, how is he going to want her to dress? How is he going to want to, her to decorate herself? Is he want her to wear loose clothing or tight clothing? Does he want her to look beautiful in the eyes of men of the world? Or does he want her to have that natural appearance that is proper, but the emphasis is on character? You know what I'm saying? These things are real. We're talking about the godly seed. <laughs> And, uh, and this uh, husband who is, who is addicted to a pornography is going to want his wife to look plain, 
Really? No. Why? Because they have their false image in their mind of what is beauty, right? Now, what do you think that's going to have effect upon the children? What effect is that going to have on the children? That's going to have a big effect. Yes? Well, yeah. the earlier you get to pornography, the, the end result is going to be, not always, but the earlier you get this pornography, this, that all you're doing is feeding the end result, which is moral perversion. The sooner you get pornography, now you get um, fornication and at an early age, and then what, what follows? What's next? Well, what's next? Well, homosexuality is next. What's after homosexuality? What's next? What does the Bible say? Bestiology. <laughs> It's all progress. Where's transgender come in here? It's all a part of the moral decay of the mind of human beings at a young age. The younger you get, the more it's going to defile. Of course, praise God. That's why people need to be saved. And God can change that. Praise the Lord. But the images are still there, and there's going to be a fight. Okay? So... <clears throat> Now, let's, we don't have much time. We might have to come back here next week. But let's talk logically, okay? Let's talk logically, common sense. If you're a young man, and let's just say you're a young man, and in your church you have all these godly girls, Okay? but you're not really sold out to the Lord. And you know that you would never be a candidate to marry one of these girls. What are your two options? Huh? Oh, that's, that's the third option. One option is fake it. One option is get right with God. Some people do that. The third option is 
run. Go somewhere where you can find a candidate for marriage. Do you think that happens? All the time. Now, if you're a young lady, and let's just say you have all these godly guys in your church, and you're not godly, and you think to yourself, I want to get married. And what are you going to think? Well, I'm not, a, I don't, there's nobody here that's a candidate for me. Right? So what are they going to do? What are their options? Three options. Fake it. Get right with God. Or what? Run. Happens all the time. Yes. So, anything else to add about an option? I mean, it seems like the guys are allowed to do that, find wives elsewhere, but the girls aren't allowed to find husbands elsewhere. Well, the same issue is the same. The issue is still the same because the real issue is the godly seed. That's what the issue is. Lisa, did you want to say something? That's what the issue is. Now, I'm just trying to deal with, you know, people don't want to deal with reality. But I, I'm a, I'm a, try to be a realist, okay? Now, on the other hand, if you're a godly person, yes, Oh, okay, I understand that. Yeah, that's a, that's a real issue. Okay, that, that is definitely a real issue. And I, I tell you what, my, my heart goes out to that. That is very, um, you know, and it's not something I don't think about. You know, it's something I pray about. It's something I say, well, you know what? Well, what do we need to do? Well, one thing is we need to win souls. We need to win souls. We got to get a bigger field out there, <laughs> right? But it's not going to come if you don't win souls. And if you don't win souls, we don't have a soul-winning church. It's never going to happen, is it? Now, that's, you know, obviously God is bigger than all of that. But thanks for explaining that. But, yeah, that's, that's a real... No, so here's the question. <clears throat> I'm just reading this, and I don't, you know, this isn't really fun, but um, <clears throat> trying to remember the, the context. It's in Isaiah. And what does it say? Um, you may find the verse. It says, um, in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, what is greater? What is greater? And I'm trying, I'm trying to paraphrase this, but I lost it. But it's basically in the context, what's greater? In the kingdom of God, a eunuch that lives for God and has a godly influence is a million times uh, higher in the, in the kingdom of God than someone who got married 
and had children. <laughs> we don't always think that way, do we? But that's what the Bible says. And so this young person who would love to be married, but they somehow doesn't happen, they, it's not that they are second-class citizens. In fact, in the Bible, they have, um, God has given them opinion even far above others. That's kind of hard to comprehend in our humanness, you know, as a mother, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, <clears throat> you know, um, Here's a question. Well, how important is the godly seed? That's really the big question. How important is the godly seed? And how important is even the influence of a godly person on others? A, a single godly person. Do they have a they have a tremendous influence on the godly seed? Okay, Isaiah 56, 1 through 8. Okay. All right, well, I guess we didn't get to finish here, but uh, um, there's some important uh, things even to think about that's left on this little pamphlet here. Uh, but that is still the issue of the hour is the godly seed. <clears throat> and, um, you know, missions will never, will always have to be done over and over and over if, they don't have the godly seed. Okay, Lord, pray that you'd bless uh, these truths and help us to con contemplate this in Jesus' name. Amen.